0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 318 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 today, and our focus is on how does discipleship happen? What was Paul's discipleship method? How are people saved? How are Christians matured? So yeah, we're going to talk about discipleship today and how Paul went about doing it. Before we do that, let me do at least point you to our website for the podcast. It is Bible2021.com, two zero two one. You can check it out. Every episode has its own transcript page on the site, 300 and something and counting so far this year. I also want to encourage you, if you get a chance to share the show with your friends and neighbors, maybe by posting a link on social media or just by word of mouth. And as always, we sure do appreciate nice reviews on Apple podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is else you can review podcasts. Well, first Thessalonians chapter 2 is basically a description of by Paul of how the Thessalonian church began. Now, he doesn't lay it out in a step-by-step historical sort of way like Luke does in Acts 17, but he talks about it in a far more pastoral way. And by reading through this chapter, we can get a big insight into exactly what first century Pauline discipleship was like. So let's trace Paul's method of winning people to the Lord and maturing them through a few verses in 1 Thessalonians 2, starting in verse 2, which says, On the contrary, after we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel to you in spite of great opposition. So we see in that verse that the church in Thessalonica was Founded because Paul and Silas did not give up after a time of defeat and persecution and pain and trouble. Indeed, not only did they not give up, remember how they were in jail uh, and beaten brutally in Acts chapter 16, but they were actually emboldened, like it lit a fire under them. That's pretty crazy. Think about that kind of perseverance. Persecution and pain did not slow Paul and Silas down. Let's keep reading verse 3. For our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive. Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please people, but rather God who examines our hearts. For we never used flattering speeches, you know, or had greedy motives. God is our witness. And we didn't seek glory from people, either from you or from others. Well, hey, Paul and Silas were honest. They were. Transparent with the church. They spoke the good news, the gospel in a way that would please God and not necessarily in a way that would grow a big church. We can learn a lot from this. It's a good thing to take the message of Jesus to lost people, but there's a place where we can do that in an almost people pleasing sort of way. And that not taking the word to lost people, but doing it in a people pleasing kind of way can be very dangerous. The seeker-sensitive movement from the 80s and 90s and early 2000s really struggled with that line, the line between proclaiming God's gospel to please him and proclaiming a message to please people and lure them in by various means that really had nothing to do with the things of God. A people-pleasing message will possibly gain a bigger audience in the short term, but it will always result in less genuine and real fruit. Flattery is dangerous and so is greed. Some people seek to minister and share the word of God to puff people up or to puff themselves up to be thought of as something special and, as Paul notes here, even to make money and get rich. But Paul decries all of those as motivations. The word of God is not to be shared uh from a motivation to be seen as somebody important or to make other people flattered or most especially to... uh gain money and riches and fame for the preacher of the gospel well let's keep going in verse 7 although we could have been a burden as christ's apostles instead we were gentle among you as a nurse nurtures her own children we cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember our labor and hardship, brothers and sisters, working night and day so that we would not burden any of you. We preached God's gospel to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how devoutly, righteously, and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you believers. As you know, like a father with his own children, We encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Well, here we see the character and approach of Paul and Silas, kind of like their personality and behavior among these new Christians. They weren't harsh. They weren't a burden. They did not expect to be cared for. Instead, they did the caring. They were gentle, like a nursing mother with a baby, and like a father with his own children. Further, they worked hard, apparently engaging in tent making so as not to be a financial burden to these new believers. And how did they go about making disciples? Well, we see in the first part of this chapter, they spoke the good news and the gospel to them. And we see in the second part that they Quote, encouraged, comforted, and implored these people to live their lives in a way that lined up with God's words. And that sums up the ministry that all Christians are called to quite nicely, whether we're a Sunday school teacher or a pastor or a deacon or, uh, don't even have an official position in the church. We're just followers of Jesus. We are called to share the good news with the world and to encourage, comfort, and implore of the kind of gentleness Paul speaks of here. Pastor Charles Spurgeon writes, Gentleness wins far more than severity. Many will be led who will not be driven. If we would do good to others, we must be willing to sacrifice ourselves. Selfishness and soul winning never go together. Love is power. What are we doing for our neighbors? Have we an affectionate concern for their eternal welfare? If not, how can we hope that we ourselves are converted? Let every teacher weigh these words of Paul. We were gentle among you, even as a nurse nurses her children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you are dear unto us. Well, look, the genuine soul winner knows what this means. For my own part, says Spurgeon, when the Lord helps me to preach after I have delivered all my message and have fired off my shot so fast that the gun has grown hot, I have often rammed my soul into the gun and fired my heart at the congregation, and this discharge has under God won the victory. God will bless by His Spirit our hearty sympathy with His own truth and make it do that which the truth alone, coldly spoken, would not accomplish. Here then is the secret. You must, dear teacher, impart to the young your own soul. You must feel as if the ruin of that child would be your own ruin. You must feel that if the child remains under the wrath of God, it is to you as a true, as true a grief as if you were under that wrath yourself. You must confess the child's sins before God as if they were your own and stand as a priest before the Lord pleading on his behalf. The child was covered by Elisha's body in the Old Testament, and you must cover your students with your compassion, with the agonizing stretching forth of yourself before the Lord on their behalf. That, my friends, is quite a challenge. But you know what? This is the way. This is how the lost are won, how churches are built, and how the kingdom of God expands. By the hard but joyful work of gentle, compassionate heart giving life pouring out discipleship. It's not merely about attending church once a week and inviting others to join you, but it's about meeting needs, encouraging, comforting, imploring, and speaking the word of God without compromise. All right. Let's read our chapter in total. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse one. For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our visit with you was not without result. On the contrary, after we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. For our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive. Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak." not to please people, but rather God, who examines our hearts. For we never used flattering speech, as you know, or had greedy motives. God is our witness, and we didn't seek glory from people, either from you or from others. Although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you, as a nurse nurtures her own children. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you would become dear to us. For you remember our labor and hardship, brothers and sisters, working night and day so that we would not burden any of you. We preached God's gospel to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how devoutly, righteously, and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you believers. As you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to walk worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. This is why we constantly thank God Because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as a human message, but as it truly is the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, since you have also suffered the same things from people of your own country, just as they did from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and persecuted us. They displease God and are hostile to everyone by keeping us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. As a result, they are constantly filling up their sins to the limit and wrath has overtaken them at last. But as for us, brothers and sisters, after we were forced to leave you for a short time in person, not in heart, we greatly desired and made every effort to return and see you face to face. So we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again, but Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown of boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Amen. Well, let us close today with our Bible memory verse for the month of November. Say it with me. John 14:6. Jesus told him, I am the way. The truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.